You're listening to Cape Watch Radio with Pastor Dave Schenk of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through the book of Acts. Call me sinners, poor, needy, and weak. He stands to save you now for pity and love, mighty power. He's willing and able. He calls you now. God's purpose should be our most important pursuit in our life. We should want what God wants for us. That should be our pursuit. Talk about the pursuit of happiness, because in that lies true happiness. When we are doing exactly what God wants us to do, I can guarantee you that is true happiness. And that is what happiness looks like. It's the epitome of happiness. And above above all, more than anything, we should seek God's purpose for our lives. We should seek it with our whole being. Have you ever desired true happiness? Have you ever really looked for it? Where did you look? Today, Pastor Dave will teach us that Paul had this happiness that we all desire. Not only did he have this happiness, but he also had purpose. We will hear today that both of these things are found in Christ alone. Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 19, verse 21, for part one of our message entitled, Purpose in the Spirit. Open your Bibles to Acts 19, Acts 19. Today we're going to look at, all again, all of two verses. I don't know why I'm on this two-verse kick, but it just seems to be what the Lord wants to say. So we're going to look at two verses this morning in Acts 19. We're going to be looking specifically at Acts 19, verses 21 and 22. Open your Bibles to those verses, and we'll see what the Lord has for us today. When these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Nicaea to go to Jerusalem saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent into Macedonia two of those who ministered to him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for a time. So how many of you have ever seen toddlers at play? Toddlers at play, yeah. Toddlers that play. It's an awesome sight to see toddlers playing with one another. Do you know they have their own rules? Toddlers have their own rules for play. And they're called the property laws of a toddler. The property laws of a toddler. And I just happen to have them here today for you. And I'm going to share them with you. Rule number one, if I like it, it's mine. Rule number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Rule number three, if I can take it from you, it's mine. Rule number four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Rule number five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing something or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, immediately and automatically it becomes mine. The most important rule of all, though, if it's broken, it's yours. (laughs) It's interesting, though, that even at an early age, we often see that self often rules. The rule of self. Today we live in a very, very selfish world, a very, very selfish society where people are only interested in themselves, and it's not just toddlers, unfortunately. Many, many, many people 
Live by Frank Sinatra's theme song, I did it my way. Or you live by the Burger King rule, have it your way. Most people want it their way. Uh, In fact, not only do they want it their way in every part of life, but they want it now. I remember back in the 80s, one of the songs that used to pound in my head was the song that said, I want it what I want, and I want it now. This is a selfish attitude, and unfortunately, it's being promoted by our media, and we can't get away from it. It's a selfish, selfish attitude. But you know, the Lord Jesus lived a different life, led a selfless life, because he came to seek and save that which was lost. He was centered on people, and his life was centered on people. He made the lame walk. He gave speech to the mute. He healed the sick. He came and proclaimed the kingdom of God. He brought freedom to those who were under the power of the devil by casting out demons. Jesus blessed the children. He soothed the hearts of hurting people. He taught people about how to live right, and he taught them about the one true living God. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus may have well faced his greatest struggle in life. Maybe while he was there, he was thinking, will I submit to the will of God, my heavenly father, or will I do my own thing? Do I take the easy way out? Do I do things my way? We know that Jesus prayed and asked the father, he said, Lord, father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. See, Jesus's human nature said, I'm really not sure I want to go through this suffering on the cross. Is there another way? But he was completely submitted to the Father. And he was open to the Father's will. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Greatest thing we can do in life. The greatest thing we can say in life is, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want for me. Not my will, but your will. It's not something easy to say. Trust me. It's not easy to say. Or, excuse me, it may be easy to say, but it's extremely hard to do those things. It's hard to submit. It's hard to surrender. Why is it so hard? Because sometimes self rules. Sometimes self is a ruler. Got here this morning, and I turned on our message radio, and I was listening to it as I was just kind of working around, and and they said something that was very, very poignant, very, very, it fits here. A little quip said, don't think less of yourself, think about yourself less. I like that. Don't think less of yourself, but think about yourself less. See, God's purpose should be our most important pursuit in our life. We should want what God wants for us. That should be our pursuit. Talk about the pursuit of happiness, because in that lies true happiness. When we are doing exactly what God wants us to do, I can guarantee you that is true happiness. And that is what happiness looks like. It's the epitome of happiness. And above above all, more than anything, we should seek God's purpose for our lives. We should seek it with our whole being. The Apostle Paul had this attitude. This was the attitude that he had. He only wanted to do what the Lord had called him to do. All his plans were submitted to the Holy Spirit. All his wants were submitted to his Lord, his master. His only purpose was to do that which the Lord had apprehended him to do. And Paul completely followed the guidance of the Holy Spirit, even when that guidance was contrary to what he wanted to do. He followed the Holy Spirit. You remember back in Acts 16, verses 6 and 7, 
Paul and the group wanted to go into Asia. They wanted to cross over into Asia, but they were forbidden to do so by the Holy Spirit. They wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit said, no, you can't go. It wasn't God's timing. Instead, the Lord sent them to Macedonia. They followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this great work became Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth. All these places became one for the Lord because they followed what the Lord wanted them to do. They didn't follow their self. They followed him. Now Paul's on his third missionary journey, and lo and behold, God's timing is perfect. God allowed them into Asia. He's in Asia. He's right where he wanted to go. And particularly, he's in the city of Ephesus. And he's been ministering in Ephesus now for almost three years. This is the longest he's ever stayed in one place to minister. And while he's there, Paul is the witness to a huge and great revival. A wonderful revival, not only in Ephesus, But this revival was sweeping all of Asia, because we read in Acts 19.10. And this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Wow. The word of the Lord had spread throughout all Asia. If we recall the work that the Lord did in Ephesus in chapter 19, as we began chapter 19, we saw that the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the disciples who were gathered there. We saw that in 1 through 6. We saw that Paul boldly taught in the synagogue for three months. But, but after three months, he noticed that some of the hearts of the people in the synagogue were getting hardened. They didn't believe what he was saying. So he moved his teaching location to the school of Tyrannius. Paul made tents during the day and taught during the night. Paul worked for a living and taught Bible studies at night. He was a master teacher, and he was also a master tent builder. And he did this for two years. We studied that extraordinary miracles were being performed by his hands. And people were taking his sweatbands, they were taking his aprons, and they were carrying them to the sick, and the sick were being healed. They were carrying them to where demons were possessing people, and demons were coming out. Yes, evil spirits were being cast out. But some of these spirits didn't like who was casting them out. We studied last week how some of the sons of Sevka, a Jewish priest, were casting out demons, and they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. The Spirit said, well, I know Jesus, I know Paul, but who in the heck are you? Jumped on them, beat the snot out of them, and they ran away naked. We studied that last week. But because of this, all of the Greeks and all the Jews, all the town of Ephesus, they saw this, and great fear fell upon them. A reverent, holy, awesome fear fell upon them because they saw what was happening. And they were fearful, but they were fearful in a way that drew them close to the Lord. And what did they do? They started to have a worship service where they magnified the Lord. They started praising His holy name and giving Him thanks for who He was and who He is. Everybody who believed gathered, and they started confessing their sins one to another, asking for forgiveness. Then all these guys who had these books on the occult, all these people who were practicing magical acts and stuff, started bringing all their books and stuff, and they started burning them, started getting rid of them. And the thing here is, they were trying to get rid of anything that was hindering their relationship to God. Anything that was hindering their relationship to God, they were getting rid of so that they would have a more pure relationship with God. And I challenge you. As I challenged you last week, go to your prayer closet, open up yourself before God, and say, Lord, is there anything hindering me from coming to you? 
Is there anything hindering me from hearing you? Is there anything hindering me in my life that I want to be more like you? I want to be stand pure before you. And then I challenge you to sit and listen that he might show you something that you can rid your life of, that you could be closer to him. Something that's in your life that's preventing that full surrender to him. Something that's in your life that's not allowing you to completely surrender your life to him. We all have closets. We all have skeletons hanging around. Has the Lord cleaning closets today? It's getting close to spring. Is the Lord doing spring cleaning in your life today? Maybe he wants to. I don't know. But they wanted to be pure before God. And because they did all these things, the Scripture said the word of the Lord grew mightily and, was, and prevailed. And we said that prevailed meant that it became a force to be reckoned with. Not only a force to be reckoned with in their area, but a force to be reckoned with in their own lives, because that's what the Word of God does. It's live. It's living like a two-edged sword, cuts between the bone and the marrow, cuts right into your heart, and gives you what you need to have. Encouragement, chastisement, reproof, rebuke, whatever you need, the Word of God will do that in your life and will cause you to grow and cause you to get closer to God. Everything that happened in Ephesus was according to God's timetable. Paul had followed the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he allowed the Lord to achieve his purpose in his name. Nothing was forced. Everything went according to the plan of God. As Paul walked in the Spirit, he discovered God's plan as the Lord unveiled it. And when I wrote this, I'm reminded of Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. This was what Paul was doing. Paul was leaning on the Lord. He wasn't leaning on his own understanding. But even though Paul spent three years ministering in Ephesus and had the heart of a pastor, he knew that the Lord had not called him to a long-term pastorate. He knew that he was going, not going to be a long-term pastor. He was not going to let... The selfish ambitions get in his way. I mean, he could have stayed in Ephesus. I mean, look what was happening. Who wouldn't want to stay there? I liken this to what Philip was going through in the revival in Samaria. This great big revival was happening in Samaria. Remember when we read chapter 8 in the book of Acts when we studied that? Great big revival was going on in Samaria, and Philip was a part of it. And the Lord tapped Philip on the shoulder and said, go to the desert. Philip could have stayed in Samaria and witnessed this revival, but no, he went all the way to the desert for one person, the Ethiopian. God goes at great lengths to save those who are lost. God goes at great lengths to save even one. Paul could have stayed in Ephesus. He was having a great time. Things were going well. People were getting saved. The gospel had gone throughout Asia. Things were really happening. It would have been easy for him to hang around and enjoy the fruits of his harvest. It would have been easy for sit on his laurels, so to speak. He could have stayed indefinitely at Ephesus as their pastor. But the Holy Spirit inside him was about to move and was about to direct him someplace else. It was time to leave, and Paul knew it. Paul knew it because he purposed in his heart. Paul purposed in his heart. And as we begin today's verses, we see in verse 21, it says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit... When he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. When these things were accomplished, everything that I just mentioned that happened in Ephesus, after all these things, all these years, a great harvest of souls throughout all of Asia, but Paul's not satisfied. He looks ahead with purpose. 
See, I love that about Paul. Remember, we talked about that on New Year's Day, about not being satisfied with our walk with the Lord, always wanting to walk deeper, always wanting to walk further in the Lord, always wanting to get closer in the Lord, this way what Paul did. Paul was always pressing onward. He was always pressing forward to the high call of Jesus Christ, to the goal which was at the end. That's what Paul's goal was. Paul knew in his spirit it was time to leave. He knew that he could leave others the pastor of the flock at Ephesus. And just like that pastor's heart that Paul had, I believe he had the heart of a missionary also. Paul had a great heart of a missionary, and he becomes the epitome of a missionary for us. And we see this. He knew that it was time to continue to do what the Lord had him to do. I've seen this happen in my own life. In, in small ministries, when I was at Vineland, I was able to be a, 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 in ministry in so many different ways. I did so many different things. And as I was doing something, I would be, for example, I remember I was in the tape ministry. And my job back then when they had tapes, cassettes, we would make cassettes for everybody and write things down. That's what I did. After the service, I went back to a room and I made cassette tapes for people. And I would be back there and I would miss all the time of fellowship. Sometimes I would be grumbling because I missed the fellowship and stuff like that. But this is what the Lord had me to do. And I did it faithfully. And one day I remember praying, Lord, if it be your will, I'd like to try something else. I'd like to do some other sort of ministry. I feel you're putting in my heart to, to let that go. A couple Sundays went by and I was back there working. All of a sudden, there was a knock on the door. I looked up and there was a guy standing there and said, I think I want to be in the tape ministry. I said, Lord, you're incredible. So that person took over. And then I moved on to some other ministry. I got to be on the worship team for a while. And when that ended, I did this, I did that. But the Spirit would move me throughout. And when the time or the season was over, I would move on. And that's what the Lord was doing here with Paul. See, I realized at an early, early time in my ministry life that any ministry that I would have, any ministry that the Lord chose to give me was not mine. Unlike the toddler, it wasn't mine. Because any ministry that I would have, including this ministry that I stand before you today, belongs to him. It's his ministry. He's just allowing me to do this. He just says, Dave, I want you to do this. And I'll do it for as long as he has me here. But see, it's his ministry. And I can't grasp hold of and think that it's mine and you can't have it. It's mine and you can't be a part of it. It's not my ministry. It's the Lord's ministry. And he's doing the work. I must submit to him. He leads me and he guides me. I must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and be willing to submit to his plan, not my plan. I must never let myself enter the picture because guess what I've learned in all these years? It's not about me. So how did Paul know it was time to leave? How did Paul know that the Lord was leading him out? Well, the scripture says he purposed it in the Spirit. He purposed in the spirit. And the verb purpose here means to intend, to design, to resolve, to determine on some end or object to be accomplished. Paul purposed in his spirit. See, Paul lived a life with one purpose and one purpose only, to serve and glorify Jesus Christ. That's what Paul's life was living to do. And he wanted to accomplish anything that the Lord wanted him to do. Paul's purpose was to spread the gospel because he'd been told this and commanded this by Jesus Christ, that he was going to spread the gospel. This was the object that had to be accomplished. This was what Paul purposed. Remember, we read in Acts 9, verses 15 and 16, how the Lord called Paul and gave him this purpose. And when we get to Acts 22, 
and 26, sometime in the next four or five years. More examples of what the Lord had told them. More example that the Lord telling Paul of things he's going to do. He told him this when he met him on Damascus Road. Paul had purpose. Paul had direction, and Paul had guidance. His purpose came from Jesus Christ, and his direction and guidance came from the Holy Spirit. Paul was yielded to the Holy Spirit. Paul was yielded to what the Lord wanted to do. Paul, purpose in the Spirit. Now, many people believe that Paul just decided to go to Jerusalem. In fact, the NIV uses that very word. Paul decided to go to Jerusalem. They get this because the word in means in his own spirit. Well, you know what? I'll give them half of that. It could be. It could be exactly what happened. But see, I believe Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe Paul fought the idea up, I want to go to Jerusalem, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit then confirmed it and said, yes, this is what you're going to do. See, Paul was not motivated by selfish gain. Paul was not motivated by selfish ambition. Paul was not even motivated by self-preservation. Because if you look ahead at Acts 21, verse 13, Paul is answering someone. In fact, he's answering the prophet Abagus who says, anybody who goes with this belt is going to be hound and bound in Jerusalem. Paul says back to them, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Self-preservation didn't even motivate Paul. What was Paul motivated from? Or by the love of Jesus Christ. It was the love of Jesus Christ that motivated him. And that's what should be our motivation. What accomplished in our lives, what happened in our lives, that regeneration, when we believed in the Lord Jesus, when we believed in his name for salvation, something happened in our lives. Our lives were changed in an instant. Our lives became new. We became born again. We became brand new creatures. And we became indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And being indwelt with the Holy Spirit, then the Lord puts it upon our hearts, and we need to sense and move forward with purpose. We can't limit the Lord. We can't say that it can't be done. If we ever said that, we wouldn't be sitting here now. If we said it can't be done, we wouldn't be sitting in this building. If we limit the Lord, we're going to miss out on some really, really great things. He wants to do some mighty things. What has the Lord purposed in your heart? What has the Lord purposed in your heart? What's the Holy Spirit telling you that you might want to do? Sure, it might start, like it might be you think it's your idea. But what does he want to accomplish? Do you know what he wants to accomplish? Maybe you don't, and that's okay. Submit to him. Allow the Spirit to guide you. Pray and ask. And then listen to the still, small voice. Listen for his guidance, for he will direct you. The psalmist knew this in Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. The Lord will show you. The Lord will guide you. And so what if you step out of, out of faith and the Lord puts something in front of you and you don't go that way? Have you failed? No. You haven't failed. You've stepped out in faith. That's what these guys were doing. Paul said, we're going to go to Asia. Maybe we won't. How about Bithynia? Maybe we won't. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Cape Watch Radio with Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. Now, as we mentioned at the beginning of today's program, we'd like to make available to you a free copy of today's message. 
We can send you a copy of today's message on audio CD when you email us at info at capewatchradio.com. That's info at capewatchradio.com. Or you can listen to or download the message as originally recorded at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Just visit our website at www.capewatchradio.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place your order, you can always call us at 609-884-5821. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that toll-free number is 609-884-5821. Again, we invite you to visit our website at www.capewatchradio.com, where we provide helpful information about our beliefs, service times, and a convenient map to our church. You can also email us with any questions or comments you might have. And that address again is info at capewatchradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you're in the Irma, New Jersey area and would like to visit us, Calvary Chapel Cape May is located at 596 Seashore Road in Irma, New Jersey. Cape Watch Radio is the radio ministry of Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel Cape May. Please join us next time as we continue our study through the book of Acts. That's next time on Cape Watch Radio.